welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. Bang, bang. Welcome back, hackers. Your host, Mike Santaguida here, and welcome back to the show. And today on the show... Uh, I have a treat for everyone, and a lot of people over the last 12 months have, uh, you know, asked me about the 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 big and famous 10D account on Instagram, their drills, their philosophy, what I think of it, and and given the amount of interest in their brand and their content, I knew I had to get Dusan on. So today on the show, I'm happy to be joined by Dusan Sidor Jr. with 10D Goaltending, and I personally have just loved the innovation that these guys have. They're um, you know, their goaltenders have experienced great success in recent memory. And I know today's conversation will just take uh, take everyone outside their comfort zone a little bit. So be objective, you know, listen all the way through and, and decide for yourself what you think. That's the point of the show. You know, we bring on lots of different uh, opinions, show the whole wide spectrum, give you guys the tools, and then you decide kind of what fits into your identity, right? So we dive deep into, you know, this big idea of developing athleticism, um, why it's so important, and where their school's philosophy emerged from and we dive into all of Dusan's hacks and and cool drills he does with uh, you know Elvis Merzlikens and uh, you guys are gonna love today's episode so make sure to stick around all the way to the end of the show and shout out to my patrons and and my inner circle members and and obviously thank you guys so much for supporting my work that the group has started to grow uh, pretty significantly but if you're interested in working together on a 1v1 basis, we offer tons of value in exchange for a small contribution every month. And all the details can be found at patreon.com slash goaliehacks or head to the link in the show notes to get started today. And also another big announcement, I just reconnected with Matt Smith, which was, uh, if you remember, he was on early on, I think it was in the first 10 or episodes or something like that. But it was one of the most downloaded episodes uh, to date still and him and I have uh, you know we're good buddies we get along well I just obviously I, I love Matt's approach I love his philosophy um, you know it, it, in my opinion it, it's really becoming sort of that, that next generation of goaltending but him and I you know decided to do a, a duo Q&A session together so I mentioned last week guys if you want to be featured on the show or have an opportunity to get your question answered directly by me um, and Matt on the next Q&A segment then just head to SpeakPipe dot com slash goalie hacks to submit your question record and submit your question right say who you are where you're from what your question is um and it's going to be a lot of fun so make sure to get your questions in before next week when we record and lastly we do giveaway for the podcast every month and four winners get picked every month so if you want to enter into our monthly giveaway stick around to the very end of the episode for the full details on how to enter but without further ado let's get into this week's conversation I know you're going to love the chat Dusan and I had today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Goalie Hacks podcast. And today on the show, I have another great interview featuring one of the owners and founders of the famous Tendi account on Instagram and Dusan Sidor goaltending, Dusan Sidor Jr. And after Dusan spent five years playing in Balzano in Italy from 2002 to 2007, he transitioned over to the NAHL, the North American League here in the United States, playing over 35 games in the league in junior before moving on to Division One hockey at the University of Alaska Anchorage, where he spent four years there before transitioning back to Europe to play out what has now been 
a seven-year pro career stretch ending in 2019 when Dusan decided to retire. And since then, Dusan has since been working full-time with his father, Dusan Sador Sr., and two-time Swiss National League champion, also founder of Tendi and Dusan Sador goaltending as well. The goalie school and their students have experienced just an incredible amount of success in recent memory. And uh, they're incredibly well-known for their athletic-focused training regimen, and I'm super, super pumped to, to be able to join today by Dusan Jr. to chat some goaltending development. Dusan, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on the show. I'm great. Thanks, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I've been following your podcast for a while now, so it's uh, it's a pleasure uh, being here. Thanks a lot right for on, man. Well, <laughs> great, to, uh, great to get you on a call here. I know we're in uh, a pretty different time zones, but... Um, you know, glad we can kind of figure out a time to connect. And like I said, really excited to to have you on. Obviously, you and your dad run of the run one of the biggest goaltending schools in Europe. Um, but also really interested in just some of your incredibly innovative training techniques you developed through your school. And and we'll dive later. Uh, we'll dive into that later in the combo. But uh, you kind of mentioned COVID's been been tough for you. You know, prior to jumping on here, uh, maybe you can just detail a bit how things been going for you and your goaltenders uh, and your teams, and how are things looking over in Europe. Yeah, things things have been pretty crazy here for I guess the last year. Uh, starting from last March, everything shut down and then uh, it gradually um, eased up over the summer. But you like we never knew what's what was going to happen next. Like within the span of two weeks, so um, last summer we had to cancel one of our camps, and our second camp we had to. Um, put it to three days from a normal six day, six day camp because, um, all the restrictions and, uh, travel orders and stuff like that. So it's been pretty crazy. Um, nobody knows, um, like what's going to happen. Um, we've had lockdowns and then it opened up a bit, uh, kids started practicing again, then everything shut down again. I'm in uh, Slovakia at the moment. We have the worst, uh, I guess, death rate per capita at the moment in the world. So, yeah, we're not allowed to practice or anything. So it's been mostly online from my end. Um, My dad is in Switzerland at the moment. He's been able to do some uh, one-on-one sessions off the ice. Uh, But, yeah, it's been uh, been crazy, I guess, uh, for everybody. Yeah, it's been quite the challenge while I... uh... I hope things clear up a, a bit soon over there. I know they kind of are. Uh, that we're we're seeing a little bit at the light at the end of the tunnel here because they just uh, right after at least in Ontario. I know I was looking at cases in the U.S. They're starting to plummet pretty good. At least new cases per day. So uh, and in Canada things are starting to go down too, just because we've had some mandatory shutdowns for for over a month here. But hopefully, you know, as we kind of move into the spring, everything lightens up a bit. And then obviously, hopefully we can uh, get out of this sooner rather than later. Um, but, you know, I I, I, uh, I wish you and your guys, obviously, the best of luck and you as well. Stay safe and, uh, you know, hope you can get out of there soon. Um, but I kind of want to dive right into the conversation. And, and maybe you can just start off by briefly sharing your story and, uh, you know, how we got to where we are today. All right. Well, as you mentioned, I started my hockey career uh, in Italy, uh, where I grew up. I was actually born in Slovakia, and when I was five, we moved to uh, to Italy, where my dad went to play pro hockey. Nice. And then he started coaching there. So yeah, my dad's, as you all know, he's been he's been a goalie and uh, professional coach. So he's always uh, been my role model, and it, being a goalie was always it was something I always wanted to do since since I was a little kid. So, 
Yeah, man. Well, that, I, I saw your resume. You spent uh, five years there. I was wondering why you were there. So your dad, when when he was playing, or yeah, yeah, he, he yeah, he he went he went there to play, and then uh, we just moved, uh, followed him there, and I started going to school there and playing hockey there. So uh, that's where I grew up, and it was it wasn't exactly a hockey country. Um, yeah, Italy. As you think, knows. it's kind of transitioned a little more lately uh yeah it's it's getting better like back in the 90s it was actually one of the best hockey countries in europe like you had yager wow. that went there for the lockout you had a lot of uh, a lot of great players that went there but then it uh kind of the sport degraded there a bit right but now it's on the upswing again so uh that's 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 good to see but uh yeah since i was there um like the NHL was was so far away, like we couldn't even get right. uh, games on TV or anything. So, oh my gosh, I, I remember my dad when I was little. He'd uh, like he he had a buddy who who was able to set up satellites. So he kind of rigged the satellite uh, like facing the UK, where they had like an American sports channel. Yeah, and so we could get NHL games like once a week <laughs> at like four a.m. I like. So I'd find my dad in the morning going to school at six, at six a.m. My dad would be sleeping with the remote in his hand because he like put on uh, the VHS player to record games so he could study goalies. Wow, man, crazy, that's yeah. that's dedication. That's the grind, yeah. life, eh? And that's like that's where our, like kind of philosophy started. Um, yeah, we like we always want to want our goalies to to stand out, to be different, to like. You know, put on a show like when if you watch a goalie, he has to be fun to watch. Not just like there's so many goalies that just stop the pucks, yeah, uh, the puck nowadays. And we want our goalies to just you know be something something different. And that's where it started. My dad would always say that uh, if there was a goalie that was fun to watch, he like he wouldn't sleep. He just like he kept keep watching. But if it was something boring, he just like press record and then fall asleep. <laughs> so that's. That's where uh, that's where I idea of uh, Tandy started. Yeah, back, man, that's, uh, back uh, in the nineties. Wow, but, yeah, that's crazy, man. Was he calling it that back in the nineties? Yeah, well, no, he he was like it started as uh, like DSG Dusantador goaltending, yeah, and then right. we like were like we sat down like some twenty years later, we're like, oh, what are we gonna call our our uh, our school, and then. I thought there was number ten and D, Tendi. That that looked kinda of cool in our jerseys, so we, we stuck with Tendi. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So like I I uh like being so far away from like North America, it was, it was always my dream to go there and one day play there. And so um like after graduating high school, like that was school was always the number one priority. Yeah. I found like one tryout was left in the NHL for the Alaska Avalanche. So I, I booked my flights and I, I went to the U S for, it was actually, it was in Minneapolis. Wow. And, uh, I made the team. So it was like, I just remember as if it was yesterday, I was like sitting in the stands, like just my, that was my only dream growing up, like going to play and live in the States. Yeah. And I, I made the, I made a cut there, made a team. So that was a great achievement, but I, I had no idea like what the level would be like or what the U S hockey structure was like. Cause back in the yeah. day, like it was in 2007, I think. Yeah. And, like, and it was probably relatively, uh, disorganized. I would imagine even around then, eh? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Like so, <laughs> it was uh, it was it was crazy. Like there was no like I didn't have Facebook back then. Like nobody almost had Facebook in Europe. Yeah, in I think that was the year seven. that like Facebook was yeah. invented. Like I seven, had, like MySpace or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Is but, that how you're talking with people back home? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I used MySpace and then Skype would come up and then. They told me about this cool site. Oh, sign up for Facebook, and then all of a sudden, everybody started get, getting Facebook. So I was like, the first guy of my town to have Facebook. <laughs> it was, uh, Probably yeah. got a lot of friend requests after that eh, yeah, over the years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, different times back then. Yeah, yeah, crazy man. Well, why, why don't we first? Uh, we're gonna dive a bit into kind of you know your experience making that transition over because you know obviously. Um, uh, you know, most kids, you know, you think about if you're a kid in North America and you're trying to at junior, when you're trying to go play juniors, you make that transition over to Europe. Uh, I know a lot of people just feel, you know, like a fish out of water, man. So we're going to dive into it. But why don't we kind of start off with, um, you know, uh, uh, diving, you mentioned your coaching philosophy a bit and, and how it was molded between you and your dad. Um, but, you know, you know, what do you guys try to teach at your school and what are some of the major areas you focus on with your goaltenders and, and why do you believe in those concepts so much? So we want our goalies, like, as I said, we wanted to stand out. We wanted to be like, different, not in a way where they're like doing crazy stuff. We just want them to be active and always ready. We want our goalies to be good skaters and always have everything under control, even in extreme situations with the ability to make desperation saves. Like that's that's a thing that we see a lot nowadays where kids have um, goalie coaches since uh, ever since they were young and they're so stuck in their techniques that when they have to do a diving save or or right. like a split save or something like that, it's, it's tough to them to um, snap out of that technique into just beast mode, you know, like just... Uh, yeah desperation saves and like trying to keep uh, the puck out of the net at, at all costs. So yeah, we wanted to be, we wanted to be, I guess, uh, just, I, I, I can't, I don't know. I can't find a, the right word, but it's just different. We want to stand out. Yeah. No. And I think that, uh, you know, watching, watching your guys and, and honestly, I think that's why, you know, um, you guys really have such a such a great school right because you really bring a, a style to the table that's almost uh that's almost being forgotten right you know in in the age of um you know like you said these guys they work with their goalie coaches their whole lives and um you know the age of uh, the technical age right where everybody's kind of within this box okay let's because there's this idea of efficiency i guess that's really kind of come to light and i'm sure that you've heard it as well but yeah, at the same yeah. time, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all about stopping pucks. Right. And when you kind exactly. of put yourself in that box and you don't train yourself to come outside of that a bit, you know, I think you and I both know at that next level, that doesn't really cut it. Right. You got to do whatever it takes to keep pucks out exactly. of the net. Um, and I, and I think building what, what I would, you know, call like compete level or battle level, you know, you guys just do amazing things with that. But you first mentioned, you know, being active. Right. And I think that you know, that's actually contrary to, you know, what a lot of people out there would say. A lot of people like, you know, a lot of people like uh, calm yeah. and compact and not moving much, right? So yeah. why do you want your goalies, you know, uh, to, to be active and, and, and how can they develop that at home? So 
active means means a lot of things like like you said they they move a lot and it's kind of the opposite of a goalie that just uh like stands there you know if there's a, if your if your teammate let's say has the puck behind the net he's about to do do a breakout we don't want our goalies to just like stand there right be active like be at the post expect expect the unexpected like he can lose the puck somebody can I don't know, pinch in and like there can be a turnover and there can be a new situation. So we want our goalies to be just, even in a game, there's nothing you have to, like you're playing peewee hockey, you're playing, I don't know, um, midget hockey. Like there's nothing you have to save yourself for. So use those games to develop. So be active. Like your teammate has the puck behind the net. So rotate to the post. Um, keep your head in a swivel, watch, watch what's in front of you, communicate to your players, even like, if you want go down the RBH and then when he breaks out, skates out, like do a T push out or something like that. So we mm-hmm. wanted to even use games to, to, to develop, to get better, uh, to create right habits because you can't like you're, you're 13, 14 or, or 12. You can't afford to just be standing in there with your like, with your elbows on, on, on your pads, waiting for your teammate to break out. And then yeah. uh, all of a sudden there's a scramble in front of the net. Oh, oh my God, I'm late. So we wanted to be use every minute on the ice to develop, even during games. And that's proven to be successful because if you're keeping yourself busy, you know how your mind starts to wander during a game. Yeah. So if you keep yourself busy, you, you like, you don't have time to think about, Oh, like, are they going to score or mm. is there going to be a power play or stuff like that? So we always want them to be moving and, and uh, obviously you don't have to go like 110%. You just like follow the game and, and just be active. Yeah, no, I like that, man. And, and um, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, I think, I think when it comes to being active, a, a big thing I, I kind of, you know, with my mentorship students is like, I love just like the active, like arms, you know, yeah, have, yeah. having them off the body, having the elbows off the body, projecting exactly. them a little bit more and having them kind of work separate from the legs. Exactly. I feel like that's a big thing now that I've seen in recent memory is, um, you know, everybody's hands kind of work with their legs and they're not able to break away from that. So like when they butterfly, their hands come down and they just do like the block, right? Yeah. yeah. Rather than have a bit more of an active, an active hand position. What do you think about that? Yeah, exactly. That was a uh, like Finnish goalies were were famous for that for the active hands. Like yeah. you'd see these like Finnish guys catching pucks in front of their pads and just uh, amazing handwork. So that was uh, where we got the inspiration from at the start. And I think uh, nowadays it's more important than ever to have those active hands to cut out. Um, the box and like yeah. because if you go down in the block more coverage right frame the net better yeah exactly and like pushing if you're pushing your glove towards the puck it's going to be like naturally bigger right like if you look at a picture of a goalie in a blocking position and then a goalie that's trying to push the glove towards the puck like the the, the glove looks huge so it's yeah. uh yeah it's something we 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 train on and off the ice active hands out front and uh being able obviously we still use the blocking position if like sometimes it happens you there's a like somebody dumps it in from the blue line you lose sight like right you can either 
there's a situation where you push your hands out because you want to want the puck to hit you if there's a screen in front of you, but sometimes you don't see anything, so you just go and block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So nothing can get through you, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you also mentioned uh, uh, skating, and I think that's something that uh, everybody listening really, really is interested in kind of hearing about. And I actually, you know, I've seen, I've been seeing that. I, I almost feel like you, you know, you and your dad have had a, a pretty significant impact on on even the goalie, some of the the goalie teaching here in, in North America, just because your account got so big and all of your drills are posted and stuff like that. But I'm seeing a, 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 a larger uptick here in North America um, with some of the unconventional skating. And you mentioned that, you know, um, when things get crazy in a game, you want to kind of be comfortable with that craziness. And and you guys kind of implement, implement that in your drills, what other people would call unconventional, but it kind of forces you, your feet outside of that box that we were just talking about. So that way, if you get thrown into an awkward situation in a game, right, you, you can kind of handle it. So um, maybe you can dive a bit into, you know, how you guys develop those drills and uh, why exactly you think that they're so important to develop good skating habits. So I think, in our opinion, um, the goalies have to be the best skaters on the team. You have to, you have to be able to use your inside, outside edges, your toes, your heels, like shifting your weight um, inside, outside. Yeah. So that's what that's our foundation. Like skating is the number one thing that we want our goalies to be good at. Because if you're a good skater, you're um, you stay on your feet longer. If there's a, I don't know, two on one and the guy passes the puck to to his teammate and he passes it right back, you, if you're a good skater, you're going to move across easier. So it's uh, it's something that we we practice a lot. Um, you might have seen our drills on, on Instagram where we set up cones and uh, just do um, our skating slalom like um, as a player, as a go- like in the goalie position around cones and stuff like that so we 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 skate a lot um we make our guys get really comfortable on their skates and there's a thing that uh, it's very controversial about our style our, our style of teaching um <laughs> it's it's the wide stance yeah and everybody's like oh why would you be in a wide stance you can't move well if you're used to um skating in a wide stance and practicing in a wide stance you're going to be able to move no problem even faster mm. than someone that's in a narrow stance standing high up obviously we it's not like we want our goalies to be like down and low and wide at all times but yeah everything we do in practice like if we do skating drills if we do drills in the net we want our goalies to be wide and low so they get used and comfortable in that position mm. and then when time comes in a game situation like you can like any NHL goalie, even though the ones that like have a narrow position and are standing standing up tall. If the yeah. puck is gets closer, they go low and wide towards the puck to fill out the box, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the most critical. Like when the puck is close to the net, that's where it's most dangerous. So you have to be able to skate well and move well in that low position. So this is why we like when we teach any skating drills, we want it to be wide and low because then when they go into an arrow position, if the puck is higher up on the blue line or, or on a face-off or something like that, we want them to be like 
it's it's easier to shift from a yeah. wide position into a narrow position than just practice everything in a narrow position and all of a sudden you have to be able to move left and right up and down mm. in a in a wide position it's much harder because you don't have the the correct muscle groups developed yeah that's interesting i love that man so so basically uh, and I and I kind of I kind of clued into this idea too, and you you seem to be uh, pointing back to it's this idea of like puck trajectory and box control, right? Exactly. Um, you know, and and I and I always I'm a bit of a smaller guy, so this idea of kind of projecting the hands and how do you frame the net? How can you frame it bigger? Um, yeah. has, has been a big thing for me for a long time, and I and I uh, in recent memory in the last you know uh, I mean I guess it's been years, but you know, it kind of clicked in my head that, Hey, the puck, you know, starts from the ice. So like guys that have their hands like way up by their ears, it's like, you know, if you want to get in front of that puck, you got to come all the way down and break the plane of that trajectory. Right. Exactly. Um, and it's really interesting to hear because there aren't a lot of guys that teach this kind of wide stance. Now, have you, have you had guys that, uh, you know, have been, have kind of lashed out a bit, like they didn't like it or anything like that or, or everybody. Yeah. There's, there's always, uh, like there's there's always goalies that are in a more narrow stance and then all of a sudden you tell them like, why don't you try to go a little wider and then all of a sudden they can't stand that wide because it's it's too like their skates are too dull or they, yeah, they're not yeah. used to it yeah and but um from like a logical standpoint if you if you show them what the puck sees they start understanding like all right the puck's right here why am i standing up and my my shoulders are like uh, 20 centimeters over the, over the crossbar like you have to like the more you fill out the box the the easier it is for the puck to hit you so if you're standing up like your half your upper body is useless and then if you're if you're standing up tall and your glove is by your ears it's like somewhere in the like over the crossbar it's not filling right. out the net so we want we want to do like you fill out the bottom of the net and you fill out also, you also fill out the top. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third thing you, you mentioned was uh, that battle and that compete level. And we'll dive into a bit later with uh, Elvis Merzlikens, uh with, with a, a drill that I, I really loved, but um, you know, why do you guys believe in that, this concept of you know, what we would call here in, in like North America is compete or battle. And, and how do you develop that? So we like to we like to put our goalies into extreme situations, like situations that they like find themselves in in like I don't know two two times, but in in three games or something like that. Yeah. But you have to be able to to handle those situations. So we 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 practice like every practice we'll have technical drills and like obviously the standard stuff where you do a movement over and over technique and stuff. But then we like to do stuff that's outside the box, like just creative drills where they're, they're outside their comfort zone because um, that's what creates athleticism, you know? Yes. If you just, uh, if you keep your goalies in like in a comfort zone, it's going to be hard for him in the game to snap out of that comfort zone. Like you have to be able to switch it on and off, like in no time, like battle mode, go. And like in the game player, uh, there's going to be one guy falling on top of you, the, the other guy's back door, one guy's up front. Like so many, the game is so fast and and crazy nowadays that you can't just 
come out out of practice just being doing drills uh, mm-hmm. like in your comfort zone you have to you have to be used to those extreme situations well those extreme situations are typically you know uh like how <laughs> we're seeing floaters from the blue line stick saves you know guys come over the blue they shoot on that stick. i mean everybody's stopping that right but but yeah. you know the the way i look at it is i i love that you guys do that by the way and i i in my head you know, that mentality has helped me get to the next level. It's helped me win championships, being prepared, you know, for the hardest moments that you're going to face in the game are really the things that define your career. Exactly. Right? When you're when you're two one in, in a championship game and, you know, they have a five on three with two minutes left. You know, are, are you the guy who says oh, I had a good game or are you the guy who kind of finds that next level, finds that next gear? Um, and there were a couple kids that I recently, you know, uh, some some people are getting back to play here, you know, and and they uh, they were playing amazing, right? They're playing amazing, amazing, and then all of a sudden, five minutes left, you know, they get a they they have a PK, and then they score three, and a one-one game turns into a four-one game. Yeah. And you know, how close were you to stealing that game? And he said, I was really close. I said, Well, that's kind of the idea that I've been saying to you. You know, it's not about training for the first five minutes of the hockey game. It's about training for the last five minutes of the hockey game. It's about training for, you know, when do guys make mistakes? Guys make mistakes when they get tired, right? Exactly. So if we can kind of train that subconscious mind and even our body, you know, to get used to those, like you said, extreme situations before you even get there. One, everything else seems like a cakewalk when you get into a game and they're shooting floaters from the perimeter. But then also, two, you're ready to to step up when that moment comes to make that big save that your team exactly. Made. You're confident. You're confident that you, that you can stop it. Yeah, it's uh like it's that confidence that comes from these situations. Like you know you've done it in practice. If anything like that happens in a game, you just. Uh, you're confident that you can get there. You're confident that you're under control. Like if you if you're used to um, doing drills like that, um, where you're outside your comfort zone, you're going to be confident in the game because you've done it before. It's not something new, and you know how far you can push your body. It's also injury prevention, right? Like you you um, like the the drill you mentioned uh, that we did with Elvis. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a situation that happens all the time. Guy, guy, guy skates through the crease, knocks you over. What are you going to do? You have to do scissor kick and like, you <laughs> got to go up in a butterfly. Like you, there's no yeah. time to like flip over on both your pads and then like go slowly <laughs> or like, so if you do that in practice, you're going to be, it's going to be much easier for you in a game and you'll have the confidence that if something like that happens, it's, it's not going to stop you from making the saves. Yeah. And like, like once you get to a certain level, like where hockey's competitive, where you have to try out to make the team, mm-hmm. um, every every goalie and and player is more or less at the same technical level. Like they they like if there's two fourteen year olds, they're like one guy that's used to doing these extreme situ- like handling these extreme situations. Um, and the other guy, not so much. He likes to stay in his comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But um, if like both guys are going to have a great game, like 25 shots, um, your defense is playing great, you're making glove saves, blocker saves, controlled saves. But then all of a sudden, like you said, like it's, it's like one minute left into the game and there's like a scramble in front of your net. Somebody knocks you over. 
and you're not used to that you, you've never been in that situation before you most like you're it's just gonna like you don't know fly. what to do you're just gonna like yeah. put your glove out hoping it's gonna hit you but if you've been there you know oh i'm on i'm a i can just flip around and be my butterfly without losing coverage you're gonna make the save you're more likely to make the save so we say you can like goaltending it's 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 tough but um every puck can be stopped yes love but that. also every puck can go in so it's <laughs> well you know what I, I i like that you kind of said that um you know every puck can be stopped right i i, I it's it's funny that you do say that because you know, if you think about goaltending, I was actually just looking at the numbers, um, you know, goaltending in hockey, I think we have the highest save percentage out of any goalie in any sport on the planet, you know, and, and which, which to me, you know, at least from, from, you know, when I played and stuff, I felt like I was very in control and had a, a lot of uh, impact over, over the course of a game and how many goals went in. And I try to say this to my guys too, you know, because they try and tell me, oh, this guy didn't pick up the back door and, or, or, you know, he didn't, he was supposed to do this, but he didn't. And then, you know, I let him, you know, I let him, uh, let him a goal, um, you know, but we, we got, we got to keep that focus on ourselves, right? Because exactly the, the goals against call a uh, stat, you know, who's that shared by it's, 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 it goes in our column, right? Yeah. It's the team stat and it's our column. So I always say to guys like, Hey, you really got to take responsibility um, for every single puck that goes across that goal line. You just got to ask yourself, you know, how could I have made that save? Um, you know, and, and, and you kind of mentioned, um, you know, at least in my head, a, a big thing about training to, to, to make sure you're ready for those big challenges, like just that conditioning standpoint too, right? When you get tired, you know, and you're scrambling, you get really, really, you know, loose, I guess. Right. Yeah. And in your mind, if you haven't brought your mind, you know, think about an NHL game, right? And, I, and I, you know this at the pro level. How tiring is it to play, you know, a 50-game season at the pro level? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy. Like, you can't. And then it's tiring uh, physically but also mentally. Exactly. Because every single game, you're only as good as your last game. Yeah. So if you have one bad game, you can't feel sorry for yourself because – if you had another bad bad game because you felt sorry for yourself, um, you're losing your job. So it's uh, it's not only physical but it's also mental. So you have to. Yeah, and 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 the reason I say that is because you know for everybody listening, you're looking at guys in the NHL in the playoffs, like they do not look like they were fresh, you know. So, and you know, you think about a Stanley Cup run, you know, uh, Antoine Kudobin. Uh, um, you know, went all the way to the finals. Um, you know, th that's, that's what it's about in those last moments. All of those guys looked absolutely dog tired gassed, but they've been there before, right. And then practice in their training and everything they did throughout the year, they prepared for that grind. They prepared their minds and their bodies to work through that fatigue. And when you're in the playoffs and the Stanley cup playoffs, and you're going to two, three, four OTs, you know, do you say, ah, you know, I had a good run or do you kind of double down and say, you know what, I'm going to find that next level, even though I, my mind is telling me I have nothing left. And that's kind of what I in, in the drills that I do and the drills that you guys do is, you know, you're also forcing yourself outside that comfort zone. And from a conditioning standpoint, you're pushing it to a point where, you know, when you need it the most, it's going to, it's going to help you in those hardest situations in the game. Right. Oh, for sure. Like 
drills like that create not only um, the ability to be able to scramble like that, but also crazy conditioning. Like you're going when you, you think you can't go anymore. Like everybody, um, like it's just how the human mind works. Like you want to yeah. quit before your bucket's empty. Like you have so much left in your tank if you double down. Right. And like you said, those guys in the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's, it's, uh, they're so dialed in. They, they don't even think about being tired. And, yes. and like, that's what we say to all of our goals. Like, imagine how tired those guys are, but they, they, there could be another situation that that's even harder and they have to solve it and keep going. So mm-hmm. this is why we, we want them to practice it too, because, yeah. uh, a guy like, they're not going to ask you how many overtimes you want today. Like if it's going to be four <laughs> overtimes, you're going to have to play four overtimes. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, you also recently retired not long ago, um, after a very long pro career in Europe. So congrats on that, man. Uh, but, but dating back to, you know, when you were making that transition over from Europe to the USA, uh, you know, you said it was, it was kind of a, a big transition for you, but what was sort of the hardest part for you about making that, that transition to tier two junior, uh, here in the U S well, as I said, I was, I, I didn't know what, what I was expecting. The only thing I knew is I wanted to play in the States. So I, I got there and it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I had no idea what the NCAA was college hockey, like, well, yeah. like I, I had no clue. So I, I got there and, uh, it was it was uh, like hockey wise, it wasn't a big transition yeah, because yeah. I was already um, You're playing high level in Italy. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but when, when, when I got to the U S it was, uh, it started to feel more like a job in a business. You mm. know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you get to junior hockey, you, you um, realize that if you have a bad game, there's 10 other guys waiting for your job. And that was uh, really, really tough. Um, yeah. Uh, like Just the amount of transactions dealing with that. It's kind exactly, of right? Exactly. Yeah. Like when I, yeah. I got to the tryout um, in Minneapolis, they had, I think they had like 55 goalies at the goalie tryout. Wow. And they picked six for, they picked six for the main 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 camp that was right after that, so it was uh, quite an eye eye opener coming from um, Europe where you like you play through your organization until like yeah. whatever age you are you just uh, like go from U fourteen to U fifteen U sixteen and and then up. Yeah, seeing that it was uh, quite an eye opener. It was, uh, and then obviously transitioning from. Uh, the big rink to uh, the smaller rink. Mm. It was uh, it was a bit different, but uh, you get used to it um, very quick. You 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 realize that shoot, shots can come quicker. Um, there's more guys, more traffic in front of the net because there's less space, and guys uh, they don't have as much time as they do in uh, in the European games. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, that was quite different. Yeah. And then, you know, something that, um, you know, you mentioned was uh, the, the amount of transactions that, that go on at the junior level. And that was kind of eye-opening for me, you know, too, when I kind of made that transition as well. But I guess for kids at home, because obviously, um, you know, the goaltending world is just getting super competitive, super deep. I mean, you're seeing it, you know, there's just a huge influx in Europe now. And, you know, over here in North America, it's, it's spilling from the seams in terms of uh, uh, talent, I guess you could say. 
But for kids at home, what's some advice that you have for them to kind of avoid that distraction of all the transactions going around them? You just you just have to stay focused and be be where you are. Just yeah. don't think ahead. Like if you're if you're 14, you you shouldn't be worrying about your stats. You should be just worrying. Um, did I have fun today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did I do everything in my power to stop what I stopped? Yeah. Could I have done anything better? Of of course, always. But it's you, you can't be too hard on yourself and you can't be like, yeah. oh my God, if I don't have a shutout this game, my save percentage is going to go below 90 and then what happens? Or <laughs> nobody's going to, nobody's going to, uh, nobody's going to take me. I'm never yeah, gonna nobody's going to take me. So you're already on the wrong path there. And yeah. like, I'm going to be honest, like I had those thoughts during games, like, oh my yeah. God, like we're, uh, we're winning like five, five, one, hope I don't get scored on. And then I got scored on two, two goals. And then my save percentage went, was shitty again. And that bugged me, but it's, it's a thing you shouldn't be worrying about. You should just be worried about having fun and competing. And then everything else is going to come um by itself and uh but it's it's easier said than done but you act like you have to seriously don't think about safe percentage or stuff yeah. like that yeah it's, yeah well you know what i i like i liked how you kind of you know you said you have to have fun uh you know and, and compete and i think that we can kind of combine those almost right you have to have fun with competing right oh yeah like the harder it gets the the more more fun you should have like exactly uh, Elvis he's a prime example of that um, he's uh, like all the guys around him would do like we do a crazy drill where you have to do a somersault on the ice and then go in a butterfly and make a save and do a slide after that and then I don't know stand up and shoot the puck like guys around him would do five five reps. And this guy, he just like keep going. He like after ten, he'd want more, just with a smile on his face. Yeah, and, like making saves. So it's it's all about like yeah, loving what you do. Yeah, man, you gotta have fun with that. Uh, yeah, exactly. I feel like just 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 for me, you know, uh, just diving in a bit. You know, guys are like, yeah, I'm not having fun. You know, even on days where you know you're not stopping a whole lot of pucks, you can still have fun. You can still have fun. You don't have to beat yourself up about it. And I feel like that's, you know, you, you just said Elvis. I mean, he's in the NHL. He'll probably have a long career in the NHL. Um, but you know, that's how you kind of have longevity in your career, right? I know everybody at home is is you know we even on the podcast where, you know, we're all business, but we like to kind of get you know have a couple laughs here and there, right? Yeah. You got to really have fun within that compete exactly. Um, and when you find that you know, when you find that kind of happy balance, that's actually what helps you even get to that next level. Cause then you start having fun when you're feeling the growth and you want to push it further and further and further. Right. Yeah, exactly. You, that's what, how you get into flow during a game. Like you're having fun and you know, you're not getting, getting scored on. There's no second thoughts in your head. You're not thinking about the score. You're not thinking about your save percentage. You're just thinking about the present moment. And that's when you have the most fun because you're just focused on what's happening in front of you and nothing what happened or what's going to happen. Yeah. Like I remember, and even if you get 10 goals, like there's been guys that got like 10 goals score on. I remember like one funny story with my, my goalie partner uh, in, in Alaska and juniors, we played the Texas tornado. It was the best team in the league at that time. And uh, we got like, our team was pretty, 
we weren't very good. Let's, uh, yeah. let's put it that way. We we were averaging like 45, 50 uh, shots a game. Sometimes we had like 65 shots a game. Wow. And we 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 lost like 10 zip to Texas. They outshot us like 68 to like 12 or something like that. And we're sitting in a locker room like uh, he started a game and got pulled like after six goals and then and I went in and we looked at each other and like, oh man, like we played like actually pretty good today. And, <laughs> and we both got like, it was, uh, yeah, it just like every goalie, like after a game, you know what you did wrong. Usually right. you, you think, you know what you could have done better. So, um, if you did everything in your power and, um, you're satisfied with what you did, um, just move on. Like, smile yeah. and like whatever happened happened there's a next time next chance in the in the next game don't be too hard yeah. on yourself yeah i like i like how you you know you mentioned uh this idea of you know getting a ton of shots on that team um uh, maybe you can just dive in into a bit before we move on you know do you think that kind of was was good to your development and for kids at home who are maybe uh you know wondering uh, should they go on a team that's a little bit weaker and get more shots or should they go on the best team in the league what's your kind of take on that I think um, both situations are tough. Like, yeah. Like, um, I've been in, on both sides. I've I've been on teams that are were really good, and you didn't see much many pucks. Yeah. And you'd obviously have great stats, but because you get like easy shots and easy situations, but it's so hard to keep your mind in the game and focused, right? If you mm-hmm. don't see shots and see, and you're cold, and then. And then other teams, there's other teams where you just get left, they leave you hung out to dry, and it's 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 tough to stay under three goals against. But um, you just you just have to be yourself and 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 enjoy it in both situations. Like you, um, it's hard. It's like well, like, it's, it's probably you know it's just as hard to stop ten shots a game exactly to start exactly. stop fifty right like yeah. And it's hard, like that choice is hard too. Like, do I want to go on a on a bad team or a good team? It's just uh, like whatever happens, happens. Like sometimes good teams they they try to attack all the time, and then you get two shots, and it's uh, those two shots are two and O's because nobody's right. defending. So it's right. uh, you can't. So choose. I guess for you though, for for you and and I guess that experience you had. Um, in the NA, you know, do you think that that was good for your development specifically? I think uh, for sure, like it was a uh, good conditioning for sure. Yeah, for sure. And then it was, uh, it wasn't good for my stats and, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was fun. And uh, yeah, I, I, I had fun playing those games. Like, even though we were the underdog in every game, but I knew it was, it was me that could make the difference. If I stood on my head, we'd win. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was great, uh, that like it, it for sure helped me in my uh, professional career. Yeah. And, and I know you were, you know, you eventually went off to play division one hockey at the university of Alaska Anchorage out West, um, uh, and, uh, actually beside Canada. Right. Um, but where, where did you kind of, you know, where'd you struggle the most when you were making that transition to college hockey from junior? 
So, like as I mentioned, I did. I had no idea what the NCAA was was about. Like right. just being at uh, in juniors, that was everybody's goal. It was to play D one, and they wanted to be play college hockey. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like I I enjoy that. And then right, <laughs> and then I started looking more into it, and I was like, oh my god, I want to. That's my new dream. I want to play college right. hockey. So. <laughs> Um, like being in Alaska, playing juniors in Alaska, they, we didn't have many many schools that uh, that came and looked at us. We right. didn't get my, much scouting, and my and our stats obviously didn't uh, weren't very promising. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I got offered to go to University of Alaska Anchorage. Um, it was a great nice. opportunity. And the the toughest part for me was when I got there. I um, not playing much. Yeah, I got there. I got recruited as the the third goalie. I had like options to go D three. I as a starter, but I I always believe like wanted to be at the highest level possible for sure. And uh, UAA was in the WCHA at the time, so it was uh, the best uh, one of the best leagues in the country. Yeah, so obviously division. it was uh, a no brainer. Um, even if I was the third goalie, I, I I thought to myself, well, I'll probably get a chance sometime. Yeah. So when I got there, I uh, my the first shock was that I had to redshirt my first year because in like my junior team, nobody had told me that. Uh, you can play pro if you're no if you're 21, you have to take classes, or else you if you play juniors and you're 21, um, you have to take classes oh. or else you lose a year of eligibility. Oh. Right. So nobody I don't know had if they told. Still me. have that actually. No. They do. I don't think they do. To okay. Be yeah. Well, yeah, that's what it was. So I had to retro my first year and then, and then, so I was kind of stuck in that role for yeah. uh, the next three years being the third string goalie. And uh, like first it was because the two guys were older and then all of a sudden two new guys came in and I, we had the first exhibition game like of the season. I was in the stands. I was like, coach, what's going on? And it's like, well, we want to give these guys a shot. And then uh, they feed you so, the song and dance. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I was the third string for my whole college career. Didn't get many games. I, I sat yeah. on the bench for a lot of games, but um, it was, uh, that was great development too. Like I, I knew I, I was good enough to play pro. So my new dream was to go through college and then play pro hockey and I managed to do that after uh, when moving uh, moving on from college. But it was a tough four years of just uh, practice, being there if guys needed extra shots, um, being the the first guy on the ice and the last guy off the ice, and uh, being being there for for injured guys if they want to go back yeah. in on the ice. So just the life of a third third string goalie, but. And never a lot quit. of character building, as we yeah, would say. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's frustrating if you're not playing, right? Like yeah. the the funnest part of uh, of being a goalie is playing games, and I I didn't get to do that much for four years. But yeah. um, as you know, college hockey practices are so competitive because there's not so ma- many games. It's it's almost like playing games. Yeah, yeah. Well, everybody's fighting for a spot in the line. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, how'd you you know, and and. You know, I, I like I like bringing on goalies that have been in different situations because you know not everybody, not everybody is is you know playing every game their whole careers, and I had to deal with that too. Even when I got to college, you know, like I, 
you know, the, the coaches would pawn us against each other and then you lost the game. So you're, you sit on the bench and then next thing you know, the other guy's hot and then you're waiting, yeah. you yeah. know? So for you, how did you kind of deal with that both physically and emotionally, like mentally not playing and how did you kind of stick with it and, and, um, you know, stay with that, that dream of going to play pro hockey, keeping up I with just, that development, I guess. I, I always, I always knew I, I was good enough to play. I just, uh, but sometimes it is how it is. You don't get a fair shot. If you don't get the yeah. fair shot, you um, you can't show what you got, right? But yeah. you still you can like be down on yourself and and pout and feel sorry about your situation. You just have to keep. If you if you really want it, you have to keep believing and working hard. And then one day your chance will come. Like it'll uh, luck is gonna turn smile at you and you'll get your chance and then you, you can prove what you have. So just, it was always being positive. Like, yeah, don't pout and be a good teammate. Don't be negative. So that, that was, those were the biggest, biggest things for me. Just coming to work every day um, with a smile on my face, even though sometimes it was hard yeah. to smile because I, for sure. I knew I could do it, but I didn't get the chance, but it's, it's all that's all you can do right yeah yeah absolutely and then uh you know after college you moved on to play seven years of pro hockey so you you, you followed through with your dream man and uh you know you had a, a you had a pro hockey career spanning from italy to finland norway austria to france to slovakia and that's over seven years which is probably such an amazing experience playing hockey in all those places obviously you're from europe but just you know, having an opportunity to, to, like you said, play games in those rinks and, and those fans and everything, experience that. Um, but when you're making that transition to pro hockey, you know, you kind of mentioned that, you know, you didn't get as many minutes as you want playing there. But what surprised you the most about pro hockey when you finally got there after college? So, like, when I when I got to um, I signed my first pro contract um, after graduating in uh, Slovakia, actually in the town where I was born, I spent my summers here um like training with uh with my dad and uh the the pro team they they see me on the ice a bunch of times during those uh, years when I was at college and then they after I was done they asked me if I wanted to uh, if I wanted to be the the backup there mm-hmm. so I was like oh yeah for sure great um so I signed there out of college and um I started um like we they didn't they hadn't signed their number one guy yet Mm. so i started a bunch of exhibition games and i we there's like this big tournament here uh the tetri cup it's it's the second oldest tournament in europe and and our team won it after like 25 years so that was wow uh, that was uh that was a great uh great moment because my dad uh, he was uh he won he won that tournament um when he was playing and he got really? the best goal best goalie award and so that was my first professional tournament and I won the best goalie award there, uh, just like wow. my dad. So that was, uh, one of the coolest feelings, uh, ever just coming out of college, those four hard years, four hard years, not playing. And then, yeah, um, coming here, winning the tournament, I proved I, I had it in me, but yes. then you're a young guy and you're not experienced. We need someone more experienced. So they kept, uh, kept signing guys to be the number one guy. And I outbattled them, outplay them, and they like they kick him out because I'd be playing over them. Yeah. And then the next guy would come, and then there's like four four number one guys that they just uh, that they kicked out, and I ended up 
earning my spot uh, right before playoffs. I, I was playing most of the games, and then I I finished uh, the season with the best playoff stats in the league in Slovakia. Wow. So that was uh, that was cool after coming out of college with four years of no games. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. Talk about uh, resilience, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's a big uh, concept. maybe you can kind of, is that something that stuck with you? Like, hey, I have to be resilient here. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, pro hockey in Europe is, uh, is, is it's, it's something else. Like, you know, when you're in the NCAA, you get treated so well, you get. Yeah. Uh, custom skates, custom gear. You get to pick out the colors. You can like you get to pick out your colors on a chest protector. Yeah, it's it's you crazy. Fifteen sticks a year, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like whatever you want. You, you talk yeah. to the Bauer guy. That's like, like we're talking to the, like the NHL guys, and yeah, yeah. That's you have the, a that's direct line to him. Guy. <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever. And then you're like, you keep wondering, like, oh man, like I wonder what pros like. And then you get to pro and all these teams are like, if you're not in one of the like top leagues, like Switzerland, uh, uh, Finland, Sweden, or the DL or Czech Republic, yeah. it's, it's like every team's scrambling yeah. for, for money financially. financially. Yeah. So you like a funny story when I was playing here, my first year in Slovakia, I, like our, our salaries were, were always late and, and stuff like that. But uh, we're playing one game and I had two sticks left. And so like first period, this guy, like I go behind the net, play the puck, try to go like back into the net and guy skates through me and like the kind of the stick gets kind of stuck between the net and me and he, it like snaps in the middle. <laughs> so I'm like, oh crap. So I, I switched my stick. Uh, my the the equipment guy gave me my other stick and I went in and then like next situation a guy takes a clapper and it hits like the paddle and the paddle snaps in half in the middle oh, and I'm like oh my god like what are we gonna do now so he like he hands me my the stick that I broke first <laughs> taped it taped it and I was like <laughs> I finished the period with a broken stick before they asked like some junior guy and like on the opposing team to like lend me a stick for the game so. <laughs> So that's pro hockey for you in Europe, and that's like one of the one of the stories that just shows you how you, hum, humble have to you have to be when you when you come yeah. here. It's uh, yeah, you know what? It, any any minor pro league around the world, right? Like you know, and not to burst anybody's bu anybody's bubble. I, I think it's good to just you know set realistic expectations. Exactly. Right? You know, you're getting you're getting treated for sure better in college division one hockey rooms than oh, you are uh you know 90 percent 90 percent 95 percent of the leagues around the world like <laughs> it was uh like before my my last season there in france i was playing the top french league and uh yeah um so I, I i got hired there as a replacement for their injured goalie yeah and so he he started feeling well and the team went on a trip so he's like all right like he's gonna try and play on a trip and then first game on the trip he got injured mm. and they're like well you gotta join the team so i was like oh cool. well for sure yeah so i uh i thought they were gonna send like a i guess a driver or something like that to drive me because the team was like six or seven hours away yeah. but they just dropped me off at the train station with my with my gear and uh, like it was a 10 hour train go. ride through France, trying to like join a team somewhere. And uh, I'm like sitting there 
on my goalie bag because it wouldn't fit anywhere on this train. <laughs> on and, the train, yeah. And this it. guy was like looking at me. He's like, oh, what, sports, what sport is this? I'm like, oh, it's hockey. And he's like, are you, oh, cool. Are you professional? And then I'm like, I look at myself. I'm sitting here on this train, like going for 10 hours. <laughs> like, well, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> so I'm not sure anymore, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You know what? I, I, oh. I, I should do, uh, you know, maybe we'll have you back on or something and we'll just shoot stories back oh, and forth man. from the, the depths like, of pro hockey. You oh know? man, there's like, there's so much <laughs> I could go on for hours, but yeah, that's, uh, it's pro hockey for you. But then like, yeah. they don't like, they don't, they won't give you the stick that you need or, or, or the glove that you need. But if you play two bad games, you're fired. Yeah. So yeah. You, it's you ruthless, gotta, man. You unforgiving, gotta, right? Yeah. It's unforgiving. You know, and we, uh, you, you talked about, you know, being ready, right? Like, you know, you're in college, you had to be ready. And this was something I want to mention before is like, you know, even when you're not playing, you got to be ready for your opportunity because that skill of, you know, being okay, today's my opportunity. I put in the work to be ready for it. I show up today. It leads to your next start. Exactly. Right? And you talked about, you know, your opportunity when you first went pro that, you know, similar thing happened to me when I first got into college, like I wasn't really slated to play. A guy got hurt. Next thing you know, I played. We played North Dakota. I played good. And then next thing you know, I'm playing more games, right? Yeah, exactly. You know? So it's 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 all about you got to be ready for your opportunity. Exactly. When you finally get your shot, you know, if you're not ready and you don't put up the numbers, then then yeah. you, you don't you do not have the right to pout yeah. after that, right? Yeah. But then there's like one thing I got to point out to all the all the listeners that yeah, if you if you get that one shot, you've been working so hard towards. Um, your whole life like you can't be scared like listening before the game like i don't know one shot one opportunity having eminem blasting <laughs> right like it's it's uh like it's important that you that you get there and you're ready and that's yeah. all you need to know that it, you put in the work and you're ready now it's time to have fun yes. but if you're you get out there and you're so ready that you like you're stiff and you're scared and like you don't know what's going to happen next and you want it so bad that it's going to backfire on you it's mm. it's a it's a thin it's a thin line between uh being ready and too ready right like yes once that opportunity comes it's yeah it could be your last shot but might as well enjoy it if it's your last shot right yeah well you know you hear mark andre Fleury. you know he says uh whatever happens on there happens and it's there's so much on the ice you can't control and all yeah. you can you know, it's very cliche, right? Oh, you control. I love Brizgalov that way. He's What's like, that? <laughs> like Ilya Brizgalov. Like he's he was awesome that way. He's like, well, you gotta be yeah. mad. It's just a game, and that's how it is. It's just a game. Like for you, yeah, it's the most important thing in the world. But believe me, there's like so much more important stuff in the world happening than your game right now. So yeah. just uh, might as well like just have fun out there. Yeah, you just gotta. The, the, the chips will fall as they may, and you just go out there and say, you know what, I, I and this is what I say, I like to say to myself, I say to my goalies, you know, I'm, I, I say this before, I'm ready for the challenges that I'm going to face today. Exactly. Because you know? when, you, when you go out there, like, you don't know if you're going to get 10 break rays or one, you don't exactly. know if you're going to get 10 shots or 100, you know, and, and in your mind, you just got to say, you know what, I put in the work, I'm prepared today, I'm just going to go out there and play and have fun competing. Exactly, like, like you got to be prepared and... And that's all, that's all you can do because in a game you can have like three posts and a shutout or it could be three goals and you're, you're being pulled. 
but you it was the same you in there so you just if you're prepared you're um you're you're ready like yeah 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 Yeah, and then and then i guess diving into a couple of your high profile students that uh have worked with uh you know your dad and you and your school for a long time um but the most well-known obviously being elvis merzlikens who who had a breakout season last year in the nhl being named to the nhl's all-rookie team um, but what do you think separates Elvis just just from everybody else that that makes him so elite and makes him NHL caliber? I think it's uh, well. First of all, he's the hardest worker of anyone I I know. He's like I said, he's the guy that would go like ten more reps after everybody was done with five. And along with that, he's got a solid foundation. Like he's an extremely agile and good skater. Yeah. So. He manages to be controlled, stay stay focused and controlled in the most extreme situations, right? Yeah. Because the, nowadays the game is so open and and like well, anything guys are even so patient, right? Too, right? They, yeah. they hold that puck, make a play that last second, right? Exactly. So it's it's got to be that the solid foundation and and the hard work he's put in, like he earned every single start like he he would be out there with a smile on his face just uh just competing i remember when i I was uh i was younger and uh, i got to practice with him and he yeah he um he gets the best out of you like you see him competing and you just want to compete along with Mm -hmm. him you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's contagious to compete yeah exactly yeah well you know we talked about uh you know, concept that earlier in the convo about, you know, being on the scramble drill that we kind of went over. Um, and we, we talked about how it can, how it can positively impact your performance, but what's, what's maybe another hack that, that you Elvis and, and you guys were able to develop that's had a, a dramatic positive impact on, on all your goalies games. So one hack would be the, the wide, wide stance as we, mm. as, as we spoke, um, Obviously, you can have an arrow stance too, and then you adjust it according to where the puck is. Yeah. But when you work, that's a hack that's going to make you better because you you um, develop in like that's an extreme situation where the puck is in the danger zone. If you're if you know how to move in that situation, you're going to be uh, ready when that situation comes up. Yeah. And then another hack or. Uh, I guess you could call it a hack. It's a movement that we call, we've been doing it for, for years. We, I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called the backside push. No, I haven't. Tell us, tell it's, us. Explain it's, it. Uh, it was, uh, we named it backside push before uh, GDI called the, the slide or whatever it was they called backside push. <laughs> so we just stuck with the name backside push because we, uh, we, uh, couldn't figure out a better name, but, uh, it's something that is it, we, is it two different concepts to differentiate. So it's, uh, the backside push. It's, uh, it's, it looks like a C cut, but it starts with, uh, with a heel T push. You can mm-hmm. see it on, uh, on our Instagram. Um, you can see it in, in some of our, some of our drills where we explain it, but it's, uh, since we're in such a wide stance and our goalies have, um, a lot of our goalies have very sharp, uh, sharp skates. Yeah. So it's tough. Like if you're if you're wide and and low, and the puck is right in front of you, it's hard to sometimes like do a longer shuffle, right? Because right. 
um, you're on your edges and they're like dug into the ice. So the backside push is something that allows you to move um, left to right or, or back quicker than, yeah. than, sh- than a shuffle or T-push in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And you're always in, the, in control because your weight is evenly distributed um, between your legs. Like yeah, when you're doing yeah. a shuffle, you're kind of, uh, the, the pushing leg is, is dug into the ice and the other leg is kind of, is kind of lifting up, right? Because you want to, you want to slide and mm. during a T push, you rotate and you have to, uh, you're kind of opened up and in the backside push, when you, um, when you, when you move across, you're always like your weight is evenly distributed mm. and you can always, uh, it's, it allows you to stop anywhere more controlled like there's a lot of goals that we see um scored where uh, there's a there's a situation where the the player from i don't know let's say top of the circles passes it to the other side in a in, in the power play and the goalie like do there's a t push across and once he stops like he it's too it's too late like when, when it's it's harder to like stop in a t-push and go down right away than if you do a backside push across and just drop down on your knees it's mm. uh it's uh it's a concept you have to see to to understand but it's uh it's a hack that we we came up uh with many years ago and it's not like we thought it up it's something we've we've noticed in games like all of our stuff all of our drills that we do on yeah. the ice and off the ice it's all stuff that we've seen in 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 game situation in an nhl mm-hmm. game and the goalie did that and we're like oh that's interesting we we recorded it and then we incorporated it into a practice and this is something a lot of goalies do uh, subconsciously like they don't think about it and they don't practice mm-hmm. it but they do it um they use it in a game situation in game situations so we, we thought it'd be probably best to put a name on it and practice it to get even better at that and uh it's something that uh, a lot of our goalies do yeah well maybe you can uh send me a link to to like a video on your instagram after the show and what i'll do is i'll post in the show notes so everybody can kind of visually see that a little bit better yeah yeah for sure um and and then uh you know something that also just interests the heck out of me is uh you know keep talking about your your instagram content because i just love watching it um, but not just of Elvis, but but the other guys, you know, uh, off the ice um, and the amount of, of athleticism work, you know, obviously it's been a, a big topic and it's a big part of your philosophy. You know, you guys work that into your training, you know, uh, with your guides. It's truly remarkable. The best I've seen it done, quite frankly, as of right now. But where did that, uh, you know, where did that kind of uh, off ice, all of the because you guys I see you guys doing the 180s and the 360s with the balls and stuff like that. Where did all that stem from? So it was uh, so growing up in Italy in the summer you it wasn't priority there to have uh, available ice so we'd be uh, my dad and I would be with no ice from let's say uh, April until September or October so to kind of um, uh, bridge those months we we'd come up with these um, these off ice drills that are yeah. simulating stuff and movements that we you do on the ice and um develop like dynamic strength and uh and athleticism so it's something we uh we worked on and then there's a i can i can also send you it's uh, it's a video on our instagram of me when i was 12 years old and you see 
I can't believe how how good I was back then compared to when I was uh, a pro. Like, I wish I would have been as good when I was playing pro. Um, as a matter of fact, when I was like when I was twelve years old, like, because yeah. we do this stuff like day in and day out with my dad, mm-hmm. and you could just see the fluidity of the movement uh, translating onto the ice. It was yeah. uh, it was incredible to watch, and then I got kind of lazy. So, it's uh, guys don't be lazy. Always keep working hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it's, uh, it, it gets harder in your your older age to, to keep putting in that extra work. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. You have yeah, sorry, uh, you different sorry. priorities and stuff like that. But you just yeah. uh, if you stay focused and stay the course, you you hard work is what gets you to places where you want to be. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, in terms of off ice training, you know, you guys said that, so you develop those things because you're just off the ice for so long because yeah. of the, the, the availability of ice. But, um, you know, in terms of inside of that, uh, you, you mentioned, um, dynamic strength, which I think is a, a really, really good term to dive into. Why don't you kind of, uh, dive into that a little bit, what that means and how you develop that dynamic strength. So it's, uh, it's, like the goaltending position is so different from anything else in sports. Like if, if you show a doctor that like you're making money by um, going into the splits and like diving onto your knees and like getting fire shots fired at you, they're, they're just going to shake their heads. It's so, it's, it's, it's so different from anything else. And, and when you, you go to the gym and you try to like build leg strength, uh, just by doing squats, but you don't do um, goalie um, type of workouts where you yeah. where you um, where you strengthen the smaller uh, muscles around your around your joints in in mm-hmm. these extreme situations. You're not gonna you're more injury prone, and you're not gonna be able to move as effectively, right? So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, um, all these like all these. Um, drills that we do off the ice like you can see them translate onto the ice and you also feel it like we have a our summer program is about uh, like five to six weeks and uh, I've tried both I did our summer program and then uh, just like strength training and and stuff like that isolating uh, muscle groups and when you get on the ice it's uh, like the gold goaltending position is so different. You can be in the best shape ever. You can run a marathon in like, I don't know uh, what a great time would be, but you get on in the <laughs> net and you're like, you're dying after the first drill because you haven't like you've done, you're used to different movements, right? Right. You're and not doing like, goalie specific, right? Yeah. And like doing all these goalie specific stuff, you just get in the net and it just all feels so natural because you've been, you've been, uh, You've been working on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I guess uh, finally in terms of helping your goalies get an edge, uh, you've actually shared a ton of, of great hacks like throughout the conversation. But, but what do you think is maybe the, the biggest hack you and your dad have implemented with uh, your goalies over the years, either a drill or exercise or concept that, you know, you notice typically helps goalies excel and, and find success? It could even be like something mental too, since we haven't talked much about that. Well, it's... Uh our our uh, our philosophy has uh, like four pillars yeah it's uh, off ice training on ice training uh, video analysis and of course the mental game and 
if you work hard at all four of those, you're you're going to be successful. So that's our our biggest hack. You have to um, off the ice is where we built the foundation of everything, because um, off the ice you can isolate movements, right? You can uh, do a movement twenty to thirty times before you get tired. And the same movement can be done on the ice like 10 times and you get tired because it's just a different setting and uh, you're wearing all your gear. So we um, practice our technique off the ice. Then when we got get on the ice, we implement the technique and perfect it. Um, through video analysis, we analyze if the movement's right. And like, once you see yourself, you you understand what's what you're doing wrong. Like, You've probably had that so many times too, where you're, you're you think you're doing something right, and then uh, the goalie coach tells you, "You're like, no, no, I'm doing that right." And then you see your video, okay. and you're like, "Oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. I'm not doing it right." So, yeah. and how do you, uh, you know, you, you talk about your dad was big into video review. Obviously, it sounds like you kind of are too. That video factor is a big, big thing. You know, what do you, what are you kind of looking at when you're watching video and, and how do you kind of put together a plan of action for when you get back to the ice to transition that content so that way you can implement it on the ice? So we, um, we video everything like off ice practice, on ice practice. It's uh, like, and then we play it back in slow motion. And once you see something in slow motion, you see the little details that are, that are wrong. Like when you're, let's say doing a, uh, leg activation and slide like you're you can see the the small details that you can fine tune when you show somebody and make them understand what he's doing wrong yeah. so it's uh it was a big part um like we have we'll have to bust out like we've been taking videos like that since the 90s so we'll have to look through our, our archives and yeah post, uh, post some stuff i think that'll be great material but it's uh it's something that we've been uh doing since the start um like when we like every drill that my dad came up with and we we tested it uh, like i was i was the i was his uh guinea pig. Uh, yeah i was his guinea pig we we tested it we we took a video and then we dissected it like we 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 looked at what could be done better and then we did it yeah. again and again and then that's how you that's how you get better so it's a uh, video yeah. is a big part yeah, yeah, unreal, man. Well, Dusan, you have any last words of advice you, you feel passionate about sharing with everyone listening? Yeah, just uh, love what you do and be present in the moment when you're when you're in the net because uh, the career goes by very fast. I know it's a cliche. That's what they told us at college. Like, oh, this is going to be the best time of your life. Don't take it for granted. And just, just, just be in a moment and have fun just yeah. the goal team that position is the great greatest position in the world so yeah absolutely yeah. man well buddy thank you so much for for coming on the show man uh absolute pleasure having you and absolutely uh love just you know natural conversation back and forth usually always makes the best episodes and and i've been been meaning to ask you some of this stuff for a while i've uh, i've obviously seen your your stuff you guys have a big account there so really happy that that we were able to connect it in i know everyone listening definitely will enjoy it as well as as other people other people actually you know they they message me about your guys content and, and drills and stuff like that so i think everybody's really gonna enjoy just just hearing it from you guys so can you just let every uh my audience know where they they can get in touch with you online yeah, of course. Well, uh, you can get in touch with us at uh, Tendi Tendi on Instagram. So it's one zero D Tendi 
or uh, or tendy tendy.com 10d tendy.com uh, so just uh, if you have any questions uh, just shoot me shoot me shoot us a dm and we'll try to respond um yeah it was a great 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 experience to be here and uh love to chat yeah my pleasure man we'll go check out uh dusan sador with tendy and dusan sador goaltending and all the links will be available in the show notes for people to check out uh but maybe somewhere uh we'll have you like i mentioned we'll have you back on the show man we'll talk about some uh minor pro stories or something like <laughs> for that. sure yeah there's so many so many good stories to share <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm grateful for you coming on, buddy. Good luck with uh, everything as we move forward and into the spring here. And, and obviously, be safe and uh, take care. We'll chat soon, man. Take care, buddy. Thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit, smash it, smoke that subscribe button. As we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come onto the show in the next few months. And make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. As next week, we have our big... 52-week anniversary, and on the show, I have Pierre Gru, the NHL's Ottawa Center's goaltending coach on the program, and I've been saving this one for the 52-week anniversary, and we had an awesome conversation uh, diving deep into what kids should be doing at a young age to prepare for the NHL level and how exactly you can start training to become a pro today. Obviously, every time we have NHL guys on, it's it's an absolute home run, uh, you know, so there doesn't, there's not a lot that needs to be said. I know you guys are going to love the convo. It was great. You guys are going to love it. It's our 52-week anniversary. It's a big episode, and uh, make sure to tune back next week. You guys are going to love this one. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for our monthly giveaway we do for the Goalie Hacks podcast. And just as a note here, if you enter into this giveaway, even if you don't win, uh, we select four winners a month, and, and that includes books, uh, different products, training products, uh, NeuroTracker subscriptions. We give away all sorts of things. We pick four people a month. And even if you don't win... Uh, one month, you're always entered into uh, the, the future the future giveaway. So to enter the giveaway, if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, just take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week.